ninja, ninja, ninja. Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 8 of A View to a Cocker Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you today? Not bad, man. Feeling pretty good. Just hanging out. Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, I'm enjoying tr- like, a nice oh, pre-Halloween weekend. Yeah, I am. I am desperately okay the indians are doing a thing i don't want to talk about it no no we can't we'll talk, talk about it now we'll talk about Probably it later talk about yeah maybe next week or maybe depending next week. on how these games go maybe we'll never talk about it <laughs> uh but but that's not what we're here to do no uh what we are here to do dave is to watch ninja sentai kaka ranger today we are watching episode eight it is called the uh, bakaniko's shop but before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, is that I just got back, back into town from visiting our sister down in Columbus. Ah. And that was a super cool time. I really, so I lived in Columbus for like a year, maybe, like not quite, like around a year. Yeah. And yeah. I very much enjoyed it. I don't know why and I'm so saying that is though like, oh yes, I know you don't have to tell me. <laughs> like we are not the only people listening to this. Right. So in fact, but it's fun to go really back and visit. Numbers, if you really look at the numbers, we are like the least of the people involved in this uh, talk. <laughs> we, yeah, we actually compromise a very small percentage. But it's fun to go back and visit because Columbus is a pretty cool town. And, you know, like, I was there, and like I kind of know my way around, except she lives in a different part of Columbus than I lived in, so I don't totally know my way around where uh-huh. she lives. But it was super fun to visit her sister, and she's real cool. We did some fun stuff. We went out for Korean barbecue, which I nice, love. Nice, And we went, so this is cool. So I didn't know this when I worked there, because like the part of town that I lived in was not kind of where this whole action was centered, but Columbus apparently has... Like a really enormous uh, international population. Oh, really? Like, yeah, just for like whatever reason. That's actually why, because Katie works for a translation company, and that's why they're centered in Columbus. Is oh, because no way. they need people that speak like whatever. Yeah, they're medical translators, and so they just were like, "Well, we need to be in a place where there are a lot of people that speak both English and another language," and they just like. The dudes who own the company are not from Columbus. They just started looking around at cities that had really big international populations. And they had like some vector where they were just like, well, Columbus is kind of like cheap to live in and also has a ton of immigrants. So like, that's where we're going to go. No way. So Columbus. Yeah. So Columbus has like a really large population of just, you know, international people that live there. And as a result, there's this, there's this grocery store. Mm-hmm. That Katie took us to, and it's an international grocery store. Let oh, me be dude, clear. I love international groceries. I know. They're the best. It, well, that's why I took that picture that I sent you of that special drink that someone made just for you. Oh, yeah. I really appreciated that, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, Thank I thought you, you so would much. like that. So you could post that on, on Twitter. That would be funny. So, 
<laughs> so, but let me be clear. When I say an international grocery store, I don't mean like, oh, it was a Korean grocery store or like a Lebanese grocery store. This is like the United Nations of grocery stores. The United it Colors just of had, grocery stores. Yeah, it just had everything. So like some of the stuff was organized by aisle, right? Like, oh, this is where you will find all of like the rice or whatever. But different aisles, like other aisles, were just organized by country. Oh, and it nice. was. It was just like, hey, are you from Peru and you can't find your favorite like candy or like canned sauce? Like, here's the Peruvian section of this store. And it's like, you know, half of an aisle or something. And it's just all Peruvian stuff. And next to it is Ecuador. And next to that is, you know, Guatemala or whatever. And then like one aisle over is Lebanon. And then one aisle over from that is India. And it's just like, it's just, there's like a ton of stuff. And then they also have, like, they have everything. They got, like, cooking implements. Like, hey, do you want to make kimchi? Here's, like, a giant traditional pot to make kimchi in. You or need that special pot. You do, apparently, you don't need a special pot. They all just do. Um, so, apparently, in Korea, there's a <laughs> kimchi-making season. And they have special refrigerators that are just for kimchi. Because it needs really? to be held at, like, a particular, yeah, it needs to be held at, like, a particular temperature for, like, a length of time or whatever. And then they just sell effectively like kimchi specific Tupperware. And when they advertise it, Katie was telling me, when they advertise the fridges, they're like, oh, yeah, this is how many of the kimchi specific Tupperware you can fit in this special kimchi fridge, (laughs) (laughs) which is rad. Like everyone has the same piece. So we've just used that as our unit of measure. Yeah, everybody just uses the same one. And in this store, there, you know, like stores have lunch counters, right? Yeah. This store. Had I kid you not, like nine different lunch counters. There was like a Mexican one. There was a Nepalese one. Ooh. They sold. Uh, yeah, they had a they had a meat counter, and they also had a halal meat counter. They had a Korean spot, a Vietnamese spot, and like one or two other ones. There was a a Mexican bakery. There was a dude who was doing like gold jewelry, and then like that money does not and phone sound like cards. Did I want for lunch? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but that was, like, his stall or whatever. And it was just this, like, just like, hey, man, we've got all the stuff that you want that you can't find at, like, white people grocery stores. It was amazing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we just had, actually, that leads me to a second star. It's sort of a combo star. So what, Dave, is our second star of the week? Oh, so the second star of the week, Matt, is that we went to see Ben Affleck's new action movie, The Accountant. Oh, nice. I remember you were telling me and about it, that. It, yeah, it looked super cool. And, like, it's an action movie. and Or I thought it was just an action movie. And I, I went to see it. And the sort of premise that you get from the from the trailer is that he is, he's like a super accountant. And he does, like, you know, uh, super action crime accounting. Like, well, you know, like, he is the accountant for, like, crazy, like, shadowy figures. Like... Like, if Raymond Reddington from Blacklist had an accountant, it's this dude. Okay, and, I totally sort of get hook, that reference and understand all the names that you said. Oh, sorry. Dude, have you not watched Blacklist? Dude, Dave, you know we'll talk about I it. don't watch TV. I watch, like, five shows, and then everything else, I have, like, a constitutional aversion to people telling me I should watch TV. Okay, listen, man, I'm not going to tell you that you should. I will tell you that I enjoy the show very much. 
Dave, That's here's the trick. I can't watch TV and listen to podcasts at the same time, but I can play Ooh, video yeah, games no, that's and tough. listen to podcasts at the same time. And I like podcasts more than I like TV. So that's what I do. There you go. So anyways, so... But the kind of hook of the movie... I is thought for that a second ben you were going to start trying to hook me on Blacklist again. I was like, Dave, you've oh. <laughs> gone through this. Just please tell me about this movie. No, the hook of the movie is that the guy's name is Alex, the titular accountant, has autism, right? And I fully expected to be like, all right, well, this is going to be like a fun action movie and he's going to like punch a bunch of dudes and it is going to be, he's just going to have like the movie version of like super autism and like, it's going to be kind of dumb and I'm just going to kind of have to deal with that and enjoy this movie, right? Like 90s comic book autism. Yes, exactly. And they actually... Like, listen, I am by no means a specialist, but I am a teacher, and so I have some education about it. Like, they actually did some research. No And, yeah, they did some research, and they were like, you know, because there's a spectrum of autism that exists, and they're like, well, the dude is on the spectrum, but he is also, like, okay, it is a movie. I'm not saying it's not. Like, he does have, like, superpowers. But they do, you know, they actually presented, like, a very, I, I think, like, kind of considered look at stuff and I felt like the message was like it was a very kind of positive message uh, about like the interaction of people uh, who are like neurotypical and people who are not and like what the deal is yeah and it was genuinely funny and like there was a lot of backstory and so I was like we were watching it and I was like wow this movie is is like way better than I anticipated it being this is like a real movie yeah, this is like a real movie. I was, yeah, I was really impressed. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so go see it. I liked it a lot. So what, Matt, is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, is that I took a business trip this week because I am no kidding. businessman. Um, I, I'm not like a business, like a super businessy business guy, but hey, I know, mean, listen, I know that in any job. On a long enough timeline, eventually I feel like you have to travel for work, and I had to do this, that this week. I had to right. go to a, a very exciting conference um, in the wonderful city of Lansing, Michigan, which is, as I discovered, the capital of Michigan. Huh. Uh, okay. Dave, Lansing, uh, Michigan. Good, good for Lansing. Great times. Um, no. No, not great times. Lansing. <laughs> okay, here, here is here is my brief impression of Lansing, having been there for like two days. Uh, dear listeners, if you live in Lansing uh, or in the sort of general area of Lansing, please know that I care about you just as much as I care about all of our other listeners, and no matter where they live. Uh, and please don't take this as a personal attack on you. But boy, from what I could tell, Lansing is like a Capitol building and like surrounding complex... Uh, a couple of intersections of what was actually like a very like nice, charming little like downtowny area with like bars and shops and stuff. And then as mm-hmm. soon as you got like off of that one strip, it was just immediately like no longer a city. Like it dropped. Like there were no not kidding. like tall-ish buildings at all. It was. It's like there is nothing in Lansing, Michigan, from what I could tell. And I had a fairly good look at it because I was on like the one of the higher up floors on the hotel. And from what I could tell, like that was the tallest building around. Huh? Well, Um, Hey man, I I don't know. Now I will say you were there for a, a librarian's conference, right? 
Yes. Okay. Listen, <laughs> the, the circumstances that I was there for were not like so the not, most thrilling circumstances. I was going to say, not necessarily going to be a rager to begin with. No, I, I, I very much got the feeling that it was like a college town that also happened to be the state capital, but was not like Columbus in that it was also like a big city. Well, so like you know, once man, you were like Columbus off campus actually... and out of the capital area, like it was kind, it just kind of like dwindled off. This is not like a super funny star, but this is more of an explanation <laughs> as to like why I don't have anything to talk about this week because all I did was <laughs> go to Michigan and sit in the hotel room. <laughs> Although I will say, um, what was able to sort of keep me afloat during my time there is that Pokemon Go was doing like a Halloween special where you get bonus right. candy and like there's a lot more ghost Pokemon and stuff around, and so I got tons of Pokemon, which is really kind of the most notable thing about my trip. Uh, so Dave, that that sort of dull star behind us, what is our fourth star of the week? So fourth star of the week, Matt, and it's actually a pretty quick one. It is just, I am like, I wish there was like a mental equivalent of carb loading because I am going into tech week for the this fall musical. Oh, yeah. And so it's, dude, it's just going to be tech week. It's bananas because it's just like three hours of rehearsal a day. I actually, I had a sub in for all of my classes tomorrow because I am literally going to be in like back-to-back full runs for like eight straight hours. So you have a sub tomorrow during the day. Even though you are going to be at work all day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will be at work all day and there is a sub covering my classes. So... There's that, and then there's a, like another four hours of rehearsal Tuesday, Wednesday, and then there is the show starts Thursday, and there's a show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon. And, and then so at some somewhere, point, we're going to have to figure out a way to watch Doctor Strange in that time. Yeah, well, the show will get out late en- like early enough on Friday night that we can go catch a late show Friday after after the show, and then you and I will wake up the next morning and record this show and then I will go and work on that show. Uh, it's going <laughs> to be, be a very exciting week for you. It's going to be a lot. But it's hey, you, uh, you got this. No, it is. It's actually It's going to be really fun. I think the show is turning out. It's it's listen. It's always theater is always on the edge of disaster. Oh, sure. There's like a funny movie quote about it, but yeah, like last week, the beginning of last week, I was like, this is it. This is the year that we, we can't do it. It's not going to come together. Things are terrible. But, you know, Thursday night, things are looking pretty good. We've got a couple more days of rehearsal, and uh, I think it's all going to come together. The dance numbers are great. The singing is great. The lines still need a little tweaking, but we'll get there. So what, Matt, is our fifth and final star of the week? Well, Dave, our fifth and final star of the week is, as I mentioned, I spent a couple of days in a hotel room in Lansing, Michigan, so I was really looking for something to do. Um, Aside from Pokemon. Sure. And my original plan was that I had actually brought my Xbox so I could play Fallout while I was there. Brilliant. Uh, And I go and I plug everything in and I get all the HDMI cables hooked up and I press the input button on the TV in the hotel room and the hotel has disabled the input button on their television. That so I seems like something that a hotel would do. Yeah, because they yeah. want you to pay for, you know, whatever. Right. So I can't watch anything on my Xbox and I can't play my video games. And so I am forced to watch cable television, which is something that I have not done in a very long time. 
Um, now, the second night I was there, um, the good show that I'm about to talk about was done. And so I had to watch a little bit of um, Total Bellas, which basically I just watched because I like to see any time that like John Cena is in like a suit and pretending to be like a regular human in his life. <laughs> um, just because I think right. that's like a funny thing to like maybe encounter like the weird cartoon that is John Cena like in a day-to-day experience. Um, John Cena is great. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but what I watched the first night is the History Channel had this huge marathon of a show that I had never seen or heard of uh, called Forged in Fire. Dave, have you heard about this show? Oh, dude, yes. Is the, Wait, this is the competitive blacksmithing show, right? This is the competitive blacksmithing show. Oh, my gosh. I've been wanting to see this show so much. Is it as good as I want it to be? Uh, did you uh, want I haven't it seen to it. be very good? Yes, I wanted it to be super good. Is it super good? Okay, so here's how this show works is... Like, four contestants show up to The Forge. And as they show up in The Forge, yes. um, they are given, you know, it's like it's like any competition show. They're given, like, oh, here's the quick challenge. And whoever gets through the quick challenge will move on to the, like, more intense thing, right? Yeah. So the quick challenge is they're given either, like, very specific criteria or uh, materials. And they have to make a knife. So, like, one episode I watched, they had to make a bayonet, and the bayonet had to fit on a rifle. And another one okay. I was watching, like, they were making, you know, like, they were in a junkyard, and they had to make the weapon out of, like, metal from this, like, bulldozer scrap pile. Is it always, just real quick, is it always a weapon? Like, it's just never, it's oh, never, yeah, like, no, make a bowl. This is not a competitive blacksmithing show. This is very specifically a competitive bladesmithing show. These are all oh night guys. This is so, and so oh my, this sounds so cool. So they go through the first two rounds of competition, which they make their knife. And then that knife is tested for, like, durability and sharpness and aesthetics. Okay. And yeah. the two best people then go on to the final round. The awesome. final round is they go home for five days. And while they are home in their home forge for five days, they are given a historical blade to recreate. So it's like, okay, you have five days. In five days, come back here, and you will have made a Scottish Claymore, or a Roman okay. Gladius, or wait, a Hunga so Munga. Is... <laughs> so wait, is this, is it four new people every time? It's four new people or every it's time. Like... Oh, okay, okay. So, so this is not like an ongoing, gotcha. It's not gotcha. like Top Chef, it's more like Chopped. Okay, yes, I'm down, awesome. And then they come back and they have to like show off their like fancy sword that they've spent five days making. And dude, some of these things that they make are gorgeous. But what's amazing is all of the people on this show. Like, my dude, I cannot tell you the last number or the last time that I saw that number of kilts being worn unironically. Yeah, um, I'm sure you got a lot of kilts, like, a lot of beards. Probably. Oh, yeah, a lot yes. of kilts, a lot of beards, a lot, of, lot beard. of people with like a uh, like a nerd Viking aesthetic. If that makes any uh-huh. sense, yes, that makes absolute sense. Um, and then the three, like the three judges, one of them is like a knife maker, one of them is like okay. a historical knife like knower, and then the third guy is like a knife user. He's like a martial arts guy, right? Ah, okay. And so yes. like the three of those dudes all judge it, but the martial arts guy, he's like, okay, during the final test, he's like, okay. okay this is the cut test, and I'm going to see if I can take your sword and cut this, you know, sheep carcass in half with one stroke. Right. Yes. Um, and then he says, like, okay, like, this sword will cut. 
But then he does, and he does like this little like smile and nod and like half bow when he says it. But then when he does the kill test, like he gets like, you know, like a dummy made out of like ballistic stuff. Like if you ever watched the yeah, show, yeah, uh, right, yes. Warrior. And yes. they were always like testing weapons on those dummies. It's it's that mm-hmm. dummy. Yeah, love that show. Um, and so like he just gets like this weird sword and like chops this thing up for a minute. And he looks at the dude <laughs> like covered in like, you know, his hands are covered in fake blood. And he looks at the dude and smiles like, yes. It will kill. <laughs> it's very disconcerting. Oh man! Oh, dude. So, uh, real quick, you—they have like the most recent episode of the show on History Channel. You can watch for free, and then after uh-huh. that, you have to like log in because they're jerks to see it. So, what is the most recent episode? Uh, the most recent episode is. Sorry, I closed it. The most recent episode is the Zulu Ikloa. Ikilwa? I don't know. Four new bladesmiths are put to the test when they must forge a bayonet blade and engineer... Oh, this is the one you talk about. It's a rifle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have to do like a Zulu thing. Yes. Yeah, that's a cool episode. Check it out. It seems real neat. Yeah, anyway, I want to watch it. Fire. That was like one of the few high points of my time in Michigan. Um, again, not the whole state, not even that whole city, just a weird experience I had. Uh, please do not be mad at me, resident of Lansing, Michigan. Uh, and with that day... <laughs> so... I think that we are going to move on to episode 8 of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger called The Bakeneko's Shop, and we will be right back. Ninja, ninja! Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 8 of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger, and boy, oh boy, that was an episode of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. Like, that hey, was there a were... Vi- it was a very Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger episode. There of was Super two, there were cats. There were cats. There were ninjas. Uh, yeah, it was great. So let's just... So there's kids... We open up, and I, it seems like there's these kids, and they're walking home from school. Sorry. They were, the kids are definitely there. Oh, yeah. It seems there like they're walking home kids. from school. They're walking home from something. They're talking about how much fun they had, which, listen, I'm glad they had fun. Maybe they had fun at school. Maybe they were like had some scheduled playground time. I don't know what these kids' lives are like. And so like, what we get is that most of them split off. We've got these two little girls left. And what they hear is a cat meowing. Well, they, okay, just to be clear, this is not actually a cat. This is a person making a cat a cat noise. Oh, really? Like, it's just, okay, it's so just very I, obviously not a cat. I was mistaken then. I thought that when they did this noise, this was like they had dubbed a sound over a woman making a cat sound. Like the sound coming no, out of that woman's I, mouth. No, <laughs> they too were jumping ahead like a hot second, but no, that is not an actual cat. I'm pretty certain. I think maybe just that lady can't make a good cat noise. <laughs> and so they got, rather than just recording a cat, they got another person to do a cat noise and then dubbed that person over this person. Honestly, I, <laughs> that is just convoluted enough to make sense for this show. Yeah, no, that is exactly what they would do. Because here's the thing about cats. Cats don't actually make the exact right meow noise that you want them to make. They make a noise that's very close to that. And then they do other weird stuff. Uh, so anyways, that these two girls, they hear this, this sad cat. And they're like, oh man, like sad cat, we got to go. We got to go check out this, see what's going on. So they go over to check it out. And as they are standing under a tree, looking around for this cat, a literal, like a giant, like a giant cage just drops out of nowhere and traps them. Yes. 
I, you know, I was wondering about this cage because we see cages periodically in the Super Sentai series. We saw one earlier when uh, Jiraiya was being like caught in a cage, right? Oh, yeah. And that cage was like thrown down a hill. Um, yes. There's a cage in the very first episode of Zhu Ranger. And part of me wonders, because they're all, I would have to go back and look. I have a sneaking suspicion that they have one cage and they just pull that thing out periodically to like find uses for it. Listen, dude, uh, as a guy who is involved in theater and like prop creation, I guarantee that that is the case. <laughs> like you don't make a prop that good and then just chuck it. You keep that bad boy around for a while. You write whole episodes so... around opportunities to put people in cages. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely do that. I've done that. I mean, not episodes of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger, but I have absolutely found stuff as a prop you and have built entire large storylines around it. You put people in cages? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had a whole a thing about that in LARP. I don't know. Okay. I, that one got away from me. So, <laughs> um, so these little girls are trapped in this cage, and this lady, she like walks around, and she has a cat, and she's very obviously a yokai because she meows. And then she like waves her hand, and I think she might actually say like yokai art like spirited away, and she they talk. Uh, yeah, away. she does. And then so we go from there to our narrator, whose name I like always promise myself I'm going to remember, and then don't. So we cut to the narrator, and the narrator just says, "Well, that's how this episode of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger begins." I feel like sometimes they don't give him a script at all. And they just let him say whatever he wants. Honestly, he dude, starts telling. The, the longer that we do this, the more and more I am beginning to identify with that guy. He's, <laughs> right. he's like, that dude probably doesn't watch Sentai. I think he's probably maybe too old. And they just tell him what's going on. He's like, uh, this is how it starts. This We are this guy. <laughs> we are the American version of this dude. Yeah. He's just watching. He knows more about like Japanese mythology than we do, but he is equally mystified by the show. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so he, that's all he says. He just says that's how it starts. And, just like, so and then he makes been, a sake well, joke. No, he explains that these kids have been spirited away, and then you see like a painting of a little kid's like diaper being grabbed by a ghost arm being getting dragged into the sky. Um, and say, like, this I guess has been happening all over town, and this is the yokai responsible for it, as we can see. So, we go from there, and we see Nakamaru driving super, like, he's driving down the road super, super fast, like, weaving in and out of traffic, and then we look over, and we see Saizo is at the wheel, and everyone is yelling at Saizo to chill out, and they're like, dude, this is incredibly dangerous, you need to not do this, and he says, oh, no, this isn't me, this is just Nakamaru, I am not controlling this, and they're like, "Yeah, but your hands are on the wheel." And he says, "I no, I get that, guys, but it is not me." I, I, I understand. Nakamura has taken control, uh, and then to sort of drive that point home, Seikai like jumps in and pounds his foot on the brake, but the brake does not actually do anything. Yeah, so you, I guess, can only drive Nekumaru if he permits it. Sure, it's like uh, Shadowfax. Yes, if Shadowfax was like you, a crepe truck. Which would yeah, have made yeah, the Lord yeah. of the do Rings not drive way Shadow. better. <laughs> you do not drive Nakamura. Nakamura consents to carry you and make crepes. <laughs> and so there, a car pulls out and it is about to get T-boned by Nakamaru. And Nakamaru just Knight Rider like turbo boosts over it. But then does you know not I mean? land. It just continues to fly for a while. 
Yeah, so Nekamaru can fly, apparently. Dude, Nekamaru and is it, it is both Shadow Facts and the Rad Bug. And so, Sakamaru lands and it drives into this uh, shrine. Like, it drives into this cat shrine and knocks it over. And all the rangers hop out, scared for their lives, I think, because they, I guess maybe they didn't know that Nakamaru can do all this. Although they still seem to be yelling at Saizo. So there's a lot of confusion going on right here. Not only with us this time, this time also the characters are confused. (laughs) And so. They look around, and then Tsuruhime kind of like, they're all sort of yelling at each other, and Tsuruhime looks over, and she sees the shrine, and she realizes, like, oh, no, this is, like, this is bad. This is a, like, a, it's not actually a shrine, it's like a grave, like a grave marker where you, like, bury cats. Yeah, and what, so, what she says, and I'm just going to say it in case there is a significance to it that I don't understand, but she says that this is a grave that enshrines cats. Yes. Okay, yep. Is there, if there's a thing there, guys, uh, let us know. That'd be great. Yeah. So then, as they're looking at this shrine, uh, it's daytime, and then it is midnight. Like, it just, like, it just flips immediately, and it is night. And nobody seems, to, like, nobody cares. They're completely fine with that. Right. I mean, honestly... Listen, these are, you know, these are the cocky rangers. They have gone through a lot of weird stuff. Maybe that just doesn't hit the weirdness threshold for them. Like, obviously, okay, they recognize that all oh, the lights just went out. But, like, they're not currently being attacked by, like, a giant turkey. So, like, everything is cool for now. They're just going to see how this goes. I just feel like maybe they should be a little more on guard. Because, oh, okay, so here's wrong. what happens. Is that... So it's nighttime now, and then a floating candle appears, and they're like, oh, floating candle, let's follow that. Floating candle appears, and the candle leads them to a, like, a wayside tavern, I think is what it is. It's like a tiny hotel. And there is a geisha. So Seikai sees her and is like, oh, my gosh, so beautiful. This is amazing. And she's like, oh, guys, like, yeah, come on in. This is great. Yeah, have, she doesn't have some food. She doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't go so far as to like rub her hands and say like I've been expecting you, but <laughs> it's very clear that that's what's happening. So she says, "Have some food." Immediately, there is a huge spread, like a giant, giant meal. When we get, they all sit down, and there's like a real like it's. They actually did a pretty cool job of this. There is the three, the four guys immediately start eating. And there is a quick line, and it kind of happens in the background, where Tsuruhime says, like, hey, guys, why are you eating all this? Like, don't eat it. Yeah, just like... And then like it kind Tsuruhime of just continues immediately from there. something is up. Which, like, dude, I just... I'm so into Tsuruhime. Like, I, I just... I'm in love with the fact that she is... She seems to be, like, totally on top of things all the time. Right. She's like, huh, nighttime, floating candle, weird house... Yeah, I'm not eating that food. Right, like every time that we yell at these characters for not being competent, like Sudakime is also yelling at them for not being competent because she's one hundred percent on her business all day. So we, they're all like sitting and eating, and it says everyone is asleep, and then they get uh, like it seems like maybe they're drunk. They all there's a couple bottle like empty bottles sitting around, and Seikai wakes up and he starts wandering around. 
looking for the bathroom. And what he finds is the Bakaneko geisha. And she now has like cat makeup on. So she has like semi revealed her form and she's lapping milk out of a, out of a saucer. Yes. And, and she is complaining about humans. She is lapping milk out of a saucer menacingly talking about how humans always abandon cats and make their lives miserable. And so she is going to get like cat based revenge on them. Yeah. So he freaks out. So she turns around, he sees her, he freaks out runs back into the thing and, like, wakes everybody up. So everybody gets up, and then they immediately, like, fall back over. Bakaneko walks in and is like, aha, the drugged food has worked properly. And then she produces an electric guitar. Out of nowhere. And she says, yokai, Bakaneko rock. And she starts playing music on this guitar. <laughs> And all the food disappears. The rangers all stand like, up. Like, stand up. And, and like, the, the film has been speeded up at this point. Yes. And so, and she starts playing this terrible song. And they are going through, like, a J-pop dance routine. Involving, like, backflips and, like, weird camera, like, reverses to make it look like they did half a flip and then reversed it. Yeah. And so they, <laughs> they go through this little dance number. And then they, like, they all fall over again. And then Bakaneku transforms into, like, her full-on yokai form, which is, like, a cat lady. Yes. But not, like, a, not a sexy one. Yeah. Like, a monster one. Like, you one. can tell that it's a woman, but it's not, like, a like a sexy woman form. Uh, which, listen, yeah, I, like, don't it get me is... wrong. I'm not trying to body shame uh, Bakaneku Maru right here. Like, you know, she's got her own thing no. going on. No, but I I'm actually, just I thought it was really you... cool. Yeah. No, because yeah, they I, I, didn't make her a sexy cat lady. They made her like a terrifying a crazy cat monster cat lady. Yes. There's like a weird so I will face say though, on top of her head. Yeah, that took me a second to notice, and that was very strange. Like it's like painted into her the fur, kind of, but there's also definitely like a mouth on her forehead. And she is wearing a bodysuit, and down the legs. It's like a blue and yellow bodysuit, and there's like a yellow stripe down the side of the legs, and in big black letters down each of her legs, it just says, Hustle? <laughs> I did not catch that. Yeah, it just says, Hustle, like, and then she's a cat monster. Now, does it also <laughs> say loyalty and respect? Because if it does, this is my new favorite monster. Nope, just, ah, just Hustle. Maybe we'll shame. get loyalty and respect on different monsters. So, Tsurutime, it turns out, was not asleep, and neither was Sasuke. And Bakaneko was like, "How did you do that?" And she says, "I absolutely suspected that you were a monster. This was all very strange." And so Sasuke and I were only pretending to eat. You dumb nerd. Right. And I think that she says at some point that Nekimaru, the the car, like warned them that something was up because he was also because uh, Nekimaru was also like of the cat clan and was like able to suss out that there was something like cat and evil related going on here. I think all that he was able to get out is that, like, oh, yeah, there was, like, evil cat energy here, and that's why we were, like, super on guard. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so Sasuke Henge's, and so it's a fight. And okay, no, it's, by the it's way, daytime again, can by I, the way. Can I say something real quick that we sort of glossed over? So they were all, before uh, Sasuke and Tsurihime stood up, when she thought everyone was still asleep, and she's moving in to eat them or send them to hell or whatever, she takes a step. And Sasuke throws down some caltrops that she steps on. And as she's reeling from that, uh, Tsurihime throws some shuriken 
at um, Bucking Echo, right? Oh, yeah. And she like she, she stepped on the caltrops. She dodges the shuriken. So she doesn't, you know, like die from shuriken, which would make this a very short episode. Um, and I just loved that moment because we're like, oh, like, yeah, these are ninjas. They're immediate like reaction like what's your go-to solution for this problem caltrops and shuriken every time yeah super easy well it's good you know you have an operating procedure you stick to it if until it doesn't work and then you revise it right uh so far caltrops and shurikens always work step one caltrops step two shuriken step three super henge they've just got a process right don't mess with what works so they super henge. It's daytime now again, and it's just Sasuke and Bakaneko. So they're outside, and it's actually a pretty fun ninja fight. There's some ninja like substitutions going on. Bakaneko gets hit in the chest with a bunch of shurikens, and then it was a log, and then she stabs Sasuke, and it's just empty clothes. And then Sasuke is up on a roof, and Bakaneko sees him. And Sasuke uh, invites her to scratch his butt, uh, which was sort of yeah. a weird taunt, but like it clearly well, worked because Bakaneku so was not into it. So she manages to pull the like, look over there, and then she fireballs him and runs. So Sasuke is fine. Like he dodges the fireball, but she does get away. And so. Then we just see him running down the street in the middle of the city. Yeah, looking for his civvies. And he's just like, I I get the impression that he is somehow using his um, Doran changer as a tracking device. Because he's just running around randomly and looking down at it. It definitely does seem to have some, like, extra things that it does aside from just the... Aside from like the super henge, so we cut and to so then we a see... cat shelter. Yeah, and inside the cat shelter is uh, Bakaneko, and she is back in her sort of standard human form, uh, and she's holding a cat and like petting it. And she goes outside and she turns the open sign to closed, then walks back in. She like pets the cat one more time, transforms into like her like full monster form, and the cat that she was holding transforms into like a giant butcher's knife. Yes. And she walks sort of yes, back does. through what was like a cat shelter kennel sort of thing. But instead of so, hold up, in hold up, cages, hold up. I'm sorry. Yeah, Matt, just no, like a hot second. So she's got the cat, right? And the cat turns into a butcher knife. Right. So So is the cat actually a butcher knife? Can it walk around because it definitely seems to be alive when she's in her human form oh so is that a, a, so, a magical butcher's knife masquerading as a cat or has she somehow turned a regular cat into a butcher's knife using magic i i don't I know mean, either or one um, of those options just, are horrifying for different reasons i just like i just needed to address that for like a second and now yeah so we go back to the cages yeah, there's no comfortable way to sort of suss that one out so we go back to the cages, but instead of the cages being full of cats, which you would suspect, uh, they're full of children who have been spirited away. Yes. And so there are, and off to the side, there's another table, and there's four yokai seated at it. And Bakaneko says, Oh, hey, have you figured out which one you want to eat? And they're like, Oh, yes, we want that one over there. And she says, Yeah, like, great choice. He's super ripe and tasty. And then the other yokai, I thought that these were like dinner guests. 
No. The other yokai hands her a wad of cash? So I guess Bakaneko just runs a restaurant. Yes. Where the only thing on the to, like on the menu is kid sushi because she says that oh yeah we serve the specialties that we serve them raw right and by the so, way these, I guess well it wouldn't be sushi yokai, these are like some bargain basement yokai yeah there's one with like a weird mohawk and just like one eye in the middle of its head yeah and I do realize it probably wouldn't be it wouldn't be sushi it would be like a kid tartare oh yeah it would very much be a tartare uh, maybe put like a raw yep. egg in there too. You know, little spices around the yeah, side. Yeah, a little mustard, little relish. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it so, is very clear that all the monster budget for this episode went into Bakeneko and these four scrubs just had to like put together like weird masks and hand stuff to like figure it all out. So we go from there to the shore and it's Tsuruhime. She's scolding with Bakeneko or not Bakeneko, Nakamaru. And she's scolding the other rangers who are, like, still having, like, seizures from the after effects of this knockout drug. <laughs> She's like, you guys are big idiots. You out, you should have known better. Now you have to take your medicine. And it's, she's, like, prepared this, like, traditional Chinese medicine brew for them. And they go to drink it. And they're like, oh, God, it's so bitter and awful. And she's like, I don't. I don't care that it tastes it's bad. medicine, you, guys. You have to drink this or you will continue to, like, shake and die, you idiots. Right. So just get with it. So then her drawn charger goes off. It's Sasuke. He's calling in for help. We go back to the shop and uh, Sasuke and Tsuruhime arrive to fight Bakaneko. Right. So Sasuke saves the kid that's on the table and starts to confront Bakaneko and says like, okay, Tsuruhime, like you get the rest of these kids out of here and I will fight like these four scrubs and Bakaneko and we'll like meet up afterwards. The four scrubs, yes. by the so way, they go down like... There is a reason that these guys do not get their own episodes, because they go down immediately. Yeah, I think he's like, shuriken! And he just shurikens them all, and they all die, and then it's just him and Bakaneko. So him and Bakaneko are fighting for a minute. The kids run. We see Bakaneko and Sasuke have teleported to the quarry to fight. Well, I mean, really, it's a better place to fight. There's more room to move around. Yes. Uh, I just, like, man, I know that I shouldn't even talk about it anymore because it happens all the time, but I just, like, it's still such a weird thing. Like, we're in a scene, things are happening, and then somebody jumps and they land in a quarry, and now we're fighting in a quarry. And it's, like, it's just weird every time. I listen. I I know and that I it's don't... weird every time, and I wish I honestly wish I could respond to you. I have told literally every know, joke that my brain like, can generate about the quarry already. We've no, we've told all the jokes. There aren't any more jokes for this. I just like I just have to accept that this is the immutable nature of the Sentai universe. I just still have a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around but it. I wish... I'm sorry for bringing it up. I... That's my fault. <laughs> I just like, and I feel like I'm getting better about not bringing it up all the time. It like, anyway. Well, I feel like we should still because, mention it occasionally, just so that like you, the listeners, know that it's still definitely happening every single week. Well, this is why. Okay, so this is why I had to mention it this time. So they Sasuke and them are fight. Sasuke and Becca and Echo were fighting. Sasuke appears to lose, and then we see the kids and Surihime, and they are also running through the quarry. Why are they at the quarry? Because it's it doesn't. Near, they were in the nearby? middle of the city. 
The kids were escaped. They were already in the middle of the city. Dave, okay. They're escaped. Stop. Dude, what you need to realize is that this is just operating on, like, crap dream logic. And, like, you walk, like, you're in the city, and then you turn the corner, and then you're in the mountains, and then you turn the corner again, and you're back in the city, and then you walk out the door, and you're in the quarry, and then you see your house, but it's not really your house, and then you're at your first job from when you were 15, but it's not your real boss, it's your, like principal from your middle school but you haven't seen that man in years and suddenly has a mustache like that is the logic that this show operates on in a very real sense as regards moving from one location to another okay so Tsuruhime and these kids are running away through the quarry and then the kids stomp all of a sudden and Tsuruhime turns around and she's like why did you guys stop and then the kids all turn into cat monsters like, just with cat makeup and claws. And then they attack Tsuruhime, and she's very confused as to what's happening, as am I. And they, like, are biting her, and then she jumps away, but then Bakuneko attacks. Oh, by the way, and she see, says, Hi, I got you. I think at some point we glossed over the fact that the fight between Sasuke and Bakuneko, like, Bakuneko totally wins that fight. And, oh, no, no, I said that. I said Sasuke appears to lose. Okay. He, but yeah, he doesn't he just down. appear to lose. He appears to die. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I just, like... I mean, clearly he he's not dead. Could not have died. Like, there's no way. But there is a, so that's why I just but there's said... A, there's a very cool shot where, like, Bakaneko's in the background, and you see, like, in the foreground, like, the camera's really close to uh, Sasuke's hand, like, reaching for his sword, and then the hand just stops reaching for it and, like, collapses in the dirt. It's a good shot. That's really the only reason oh, I wanted yeah, to go no, back that, to I it. forgot about that. So, and, so, so the kids are cat monsters, and they attack Tsuruhime, and then Bakaneko appears, and Bakaneko attacks Tsuruhime, and Tsuruhime gets caught, and then the kids are in a cage, and they're, they're kids again. Potentially the same cage. So, yeah, same cage. Again, they've got one. So, wait, so are these kids... Cat monsters? No, she says, or you might they... have looked away to take a note or something, but she says, I cast a spell on these kids. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. I did look yeah, away yeah, to yeah. take a note. No, she had apparently, when she had captured them, cast a spell on them. So when Surihime <sighs> okay. like, rescues them, Thank that you. spell activates, but they are still regular kids. They've just got like a little like yokai magic rubbed on them. Okay. No, that's great. I was just like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Okay, so now there's a boiling pot of water or acid or something. I think it's water. And Bakaneko says, I'm going to throw you in this pot out of revenge, and then I guess I'll eat you. Oh, by the way, she's not so, close to this pot. This pot is at, like, the ground floor of the quarry, and Tsuruhime and Bakaneko are, like, up on a cliff top, and she's going to throw her off oh, of yeah. the cliff into the kettle. It's amazing. It's, it's not a big kettle either, so this is a very accurate throw I think she's hoping for. So they just, like, huck Tsuruhime off the cliff. And as she's falling, like, of course, like, a rope kind of flies out and grabs her and pulls her back up to the top of the cliff. And it is Sei- Seikai, it Seikai, right? It's either Seikai or Saizo. Yeah, so one of the other guys. So the, the medicine has Tsuruhime. clearly taken effect. These three dudes are here, and they are ready to save the day. Yes, uh, I think great. Jiraiya gets the kids out of the cage. They're all, you know, throwing ropes and shuriken and doing jump kicks. They are in... 
not their super henge form, but like their cloth ninja costume. Yeah, their ninja ninja outfit, which I love. And so I, then, I always love when those things show up. It's a great look. I actually, I would, I think they look a lot cooler. Like I get it; it's a Sentai show, and so they have to have the Sentai outfits. But their actual ninja costumes. Like, they do look way cooler. I'm not wrong about that, right? Uh, I mean, you know, for a certain quality of cool, I really... Okay, if you have not watched Cocky Ranger at all, but you did watch Power Rangers, think back to the costumes that the Power Rangers would wear, like, after they got the ninja powers, when they would sometimes go into, like, a weird ninja half-transformation form. And they're kind of like yeah. that, but less, like, matchy-matchy. Yes, and also... I think a lot higher quality, like they look a oh, lot well, neater. Well, that's unquestionably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's true of I think basically everything about Super Well, Sentai everything versus... as regards costuming and like production value. Not of actual quality, I would say, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so they are, oh yeah, so then Sasuke shows up. Sasuke shows up and they're like, did you, I, she's like, I killed you though. And he says, yeah, I performed like the ninja second death or fake death technique. I'm totally fine. And then we get like a little flashback to their previous, like just after their previous fight where like his dead body is just empty clothes. And then like his living body wearing a new set of those clothes, like pops out of the ground. It's like, aha, I'm doing a pose. I'm alive again, jerk. Ha, gotcha. I realize that all of those costumes are probably just like generated via ninja magic, but I do kind of like the idea that they have to replace all of those like 50 costumes that they jettison throughout the course of a fight via their like replacement med- magic. Uh, <laughs> like that is what well, all think... of their extra money goes into is just like making more costumes. You just gotta have a bunch of them. So the fight starts, and uh, the coolest thing, actually, I think about this fight, honestly, is that we see Jiraiya's new, like, his special weapon, and his special weapon is just Ninja Knuckle, and he's just, like, he's, he's got some brass knuckles. Yeah, although I think we also saw um, Saizo use those in the maze episode. Ah, uh, no, he, when he was punching Saizo, through the wall. oh, wait, yeah, maybe he does, maybe they all have Ninja Knuckle. I was thinking, because I know Seikai has, like, the yellow claw. Yeah. And I was thinking, I'm like kind of waiting for Jiraiya's special weapon, but we haven't seen it yet. I thought this was it, but but no, you're right. Saizo also uses the ninja. I ball. really hope that when we see Jiraiya's super like like specific weapon, it is a ninja six shooter. Oh man, that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be just the best if he just pulled out like a ninja revolver? I don't even. I don't. I'm gonna I stop genuinely talking about don't it know what I, don't I would think do. It's gonna happen, and I don't want to disappoint myself. Okay, so we uh, we continue with the fight, and it's uh, Sasuke squares off with Bakaneko, and they're doing like a pretty cool like they turn into energy and they bounce off of each other fight, and then they land uh, as as people, and then they yeah, fight, and then the they do that a couple of times. Fight is how that always appears in my notes. Yeah, yeah, laser jump. That is exactly what that is. And then what we get is Bakaneko's sort of final attack is that. It, she turns into like a shadow form and it sort of like superimposes a picture of her over the screen and she just starts like waving her claws around and it's like a shadow shadow claw attack or something. Right. So Bakaneko is now getting it. the upper hand over the Kaku Rangers, but they have an ally that Bakaneko has not accounted for. And it is... It's Nekomaru. So <laughs> Nekomaru just fly... Literally, literally flies in from nowhere and just 
just rams Bakaneko. It is amazing. Just like runs him over, runs her over rather. And Bakaneku is just like, forget this. It's time for it's it's time for giant time. Oh, oh wait, the one thing Bakaneko Bakaneko is furious because she's like, how dare you? You've betrayed the cat clan. Oh, You're like yeah. the worst cat ever. And Nekamaro just, I think, runs her over again in response to that. So then, yes, Bakaneko says, like, forget this, giantism technique. And then uh, Saruder and Kark, General Saruder and General Kark, uh, Sasuke and, and uh, Tsuruhime, respectively, like, they turn into their giant beast generals. So after they've had a chance to fight just those two against Bakaneko for a minute, um, they say, okay, guys, let's all combine. And the other three are like, okay, cool. Let's form Mateki Shogun. And I'm getting the feeling that, honestly, like, they didn't need Mateki Shogun to beat this one. Like, they just kind of wanted to speed things up and maybe get everybody in on the fun. I think they really dig it. I, Mateki Shogun, I think, so far, is my favorite giant robot. Because, let me tell you something. I have, uh, Mateki Shogun, I think, has taken precisely, like, two steps this entire like over this whole run of this show like he doesn't even move oh yeah he just shows up and then uh, at this point Bakaneku like jumped at him and he sort of like leans a little to the side and just punches her in the face without moving like without moving his leg just punches her in the face she falls over he forms a flaming sword and kills her that's it yeah like Muteki Shogun is just so so much more powerful than everyone he's fighting he just like shows up and is like, uh, yeah, fire sword. It, it really That's, is. I'm not great. even just and, fire sword. And honestly, what's what's doubly great about it is that you know eventually there's going to be something where because it happens every year, the monsters are yeah, there finally has to more be. powerful than the robot, and then they need to upgrade. So when they manage to finally do that, like when the monsters are finally able to like even do any kind of damage to Miteki Shogun. They have done such a good job of building it up as this unstoppable monster, like this unstoppable robot dude, that it's going to be great. Yes. Okay. So, Bakaneku is, is dead. And then we go back, and it's the five rangers, and they're hanging around with Nakamaru. And the other three, uh, Seikai, Saizo, and Jiraiya, are like, you know, I still thought the food was pretty tasty, even if she was a terrifying cat monster. And Tsuruhime says, have you guys still not figured it out? You guys are idiots. And then, But she turns to Nakamaru and she says, Nakamaru, but you're the best and you saved us. And so she kisses Nakamaru, which again, it's a giant cat truck. Nakamaru like purrs and blushes. Like they superimpose a little blush over Nakamaru's like radiator grill. Yeah, it's super cute. And then, and then all the guys are like, oh, Tsuruhime, like I also want to kiss. I am very much not sure, like, what the relationship is supposed to be between the dudes and Tsuruhime. Yeah, I, like, I genuinely can't tell if they're all in love with her or if they're all teasing her all the time. Or both, maybe. Heck, I don't know. Listen, they're teens. They, their emotions are volatile. <laughs> and so she runs away from them into Nekamaru. And then that is, that's it. That's the end of the episode. So Dave, uh, how'd you feel about this one? Like generally speaking, have any sort of final thoughts that we haven't covered yet? No, not really, man. It was a really fun episode. I thought the action was cool. I loved the monster. Well, let's put, you know what? As we're talking about this, let's just put it on the creature royale. All right. So Bakaneko. First, super cool look. Got that hustle. Uh, she's a 
Right. She's got that hustle. She's got a weird second face on the top of her head. That's crazy. She is like stealing kids. That's kind of a cool thing. And she actually fights pretty well until she goes up against Muteki Shogun. But like nobody does well against Muteki Shogun. So yeah, whatever. Right. I'm thinking, but she's not like super crazy amazing. I'm thinking kind of like somewhere in the middle of the list. Okay, so what do we have in the middle? So right around the middle is like Gakitsuki, the mouth monster from last week, Lipstick Songstress, Oboro Gumura, Lieutenant Shirio, Pachinko Master. That is not the middle of the list. You are looking near the top of the list right now. Middle of the list, we've got like Tofu Hermit and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I miscounted. So, Copy Empress, Kappa and Rokuroku. Definitely cooler than Kappa and Rokuroku be. Okay. Definitely. So, we've got... It is a cool lady monster with a fresh look that, like, captures and, like, does weird stuff to our heroes and, like, puts one of them in a cage. So, Copy Empress is also exactly that. So, do we think that uh, Bakaneku is better or worse than Copy Empress? I... Ooh, that is tough. I'm going to say she's actually not as cool as Copy Empress. Here's the big reason. Is that the episode Copy Empress was in was super cool because they got... They got, uh, Kazu's, not they got Kazu's twin. They to, got yeah. Kazu's actual twin brother to come in and, and play his Copy person, yeah, which I thought was amazing. Was so I would say... Amazing. Right. Like, I sometimes yeah, forget so I would how say great Bakaneko, that episode was, but yeah, let's put her right under Copy Empress. Okay, so that puts her in at spot 23. Right on. So that, I think, is it for us. Yeah, yeah man. that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocker Ranger. Before we finish up here... Oh, wait, Matt. What's up? Wait, Matt, one more thing. Before we finish up here, the episode that we did with the Ranger Danger guys is out this week. So if you haven't listened to it, uh, we were we recorded with the Ranger Danger guys, Matt and Michael. It was a ton of fun, and uh, that episode just came out. So you can go check that out on Ranger Danger. Oh, yeah. It if was, for, again, uh, for some reason. It was episode three. You don't already listen to that. Power Ranger Zeo. So I think, is that the last of our sort of official business for the week, Dave? Uh, yeah, okay. I think so. Well, in that case, that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Kaka Ranger. I got to start all over with the, the thing here. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all, you can email the show at Brothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes reviews section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Um, the show, aforementioned, is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Calculate.